0: Hello and welcome back to another edition of Editing Aloud. And uh, it's all um, Asia and China and BRICS this week. We have had a, we're having, we were in the middle of a summit. We've got some of the leaders of the world's biggest economies in Johannesburg. We have Vladimir Putin, who is not the leader of one of the world's biggest economies, but a powerful man nonetheless. Xi Jinping, who is leader of one of the world's biggest economies. The president of Brazil. Um, Uh, and the President of India, uh, all being hosted by President Saul Ramaphosa at the BRICS summit. So it's an apposite time, panel, to talk about um, what President Ramaphosa has been doing for the past few weeks, um, which has been, if you read the news headlines, he's been sort of raising money. He was in uh, the Middle East uh, a uh, a week or so ago. He raised $10 billion in uh, a promise of $10 billion investment in Saudi Arabia, ten, another $10 billion in uh, the UAE. And President Xi Jinping has arrived in South Africa for a summit, uh, his own summit and then the BRICS summit, with a promise to invest $14.7 billion in South Africa. And Sikonati Manchancho. what do these people mean when they talk about, you know, because there's no, there's no, nobody says what it's for. It's just a sort of pledge. Um, How do you, does it mean anything? Is it real? It it does mean quite a lot. It is real in the
1: event that indeed they can find a deal or agree on a particular deal. Uh, Let's take the Chinese, for example. There's a company called uh, Beijing Automotive Industries, which has a plant in, in, in Guha. White people call it Guha. Uh, down in the Eastern Cape, they've invested about uh, s- s- 10 billion rands there. Is it
0: up and running, that plant? It is up
1: and running. You see the, the their trucks and uh, and some other vehicles on the roads in South Africa. So that's inward investment coming from Africa. But uh, President Jinping has now come in, Xi Jinping has come in and said, we'll uh, give a loan of $2.4 billion to ESCOM a loan, which amounts to about 33 billion yeah. rands. And there's another 14.7 billion rents, which as yet there's no detail about. And there's no detail about all of these other, yeah. uh, which now uh, amount to $35 billion according to, to to the sowetan almost 470 billion rand over the past month yeah which is exactly 50 percent of the target at uh, 100 billion rand so there's a yeah.
0: dollars that he's looking for yeah 100 billion yeah. dollars yeah. thank you
1: so there, there is indeed a lot of yeah. progress yeah. what we don't yet have mm. are the specific Contracts and yeah. like the specific investments in which the, the, the monies
0: will go. And presumably, uh, Patrick, Boulter, because they are investments, they, 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 the implication of that is that they would require a return on. So they, they, they're investing money in South Africa to make a profit out of it, not necessarily um, uh, as an act of charity. Absolutely. Of course it's an investment. I mean, South Africa is, uh,
2: to, my, to my understanding, is in quite a unique sort of place in BRICS in that it's not there uh, entirely on, uh, on economic grounds yeah. alone. So obviously there's a sort of geopolitical, there's a st- uh, strategic calculation as to why uh, to include South Africa. You know, obviously I, I would think for the Chinese, it's, um, you know, it's not a great deal of money uh, by Chinese yeah. standards. You know, obviously ESCOM, uh, they, they, they need every cent they can get. and you know, and hopefully this will go some way towards sort of uh, stabilising... Um,
0: they've still got to pay it back.
2: They've still got to pay it back, obviously, and, uh, you know, they've got to squeeze it out of us to, yeah. to get it to pay it back. Yeah. But I think for China, obviously, um, in particular, through the BRICS prism, yeah. they're really looking at South Africa as... Um, I mean, South Africa is the prize in Africa. Yeah. You know, it's the gateway to Africa. It's the sort of... it's the. Uh, you know, one of the two stronger yeah. economies on the continent. And um, to the extent,
0: You've got here. and, uh,
2: you know, even within BRICS, you must imagine, there would be some competition, one would imagine, between the Chinese and the Russians as to, you know, who exactly has got a, the, um, who who has, the upper who hand Who has in, us by the throat who, in, in, or, or in, or in South
0: Africa. Yeah. Ray Hartley, there's a, there's, a, there's a piece in the Sowetan um, where, where Rob Davies, the trade industry minister, complains that South Africa is not getting as much out of BRICS as it's putting in. I don't know whether you've read it, but he says um, inward quantum investment to SA by BRICS between 2003 and 2017 was a mere $18 billion is in sharp contrast to the $60 billion outward investment by SA to BRICS countries. Um, is, is, there, is, there harm, I mean, is there harmony in BRICS? I, I, it's not something we Cover as closely as we should, I think, in the South African yeah. media. We don't know the internal workings of it. But that's
3: quite a that's an interesting number. It is an interesting number, but it's it's almost doubled overnight yeah. with the yeah. Chinese announcement. I mean, yeah. I think what's very good for South Africa is that we're part of the up and coming block. You know, you had this G seven meeting not long ago. Yeah. It disintegrated into they couldn't agree on the pledge. Um, the G7 doesn't have Russia, it doesn't have China, it doesn't have India.
0: Mm.
3: And it's becoming increasingly irrelevant. You know, the Chinese economy grows by the size of Italy every two years. Mm. Uh, so to have some kind of power body called the G7 that doesn't include China, yeah. never mind India, Russia, yeah. you know, is, is crazy. And it's very, very fortunate for us that we have the strategic pivot of being in Africa. Um, that we're in this body and that we have influence. And we have, we have a lot of time. You know, these leaders spend they have their summits. They spend a lot of time together. Yeah. There's, there's one-on-one meetings between all of the parties at each of these summits. There's a lot of time to actually work on an investment agenda and to deal with the concerns that Rob Davies has. Sure.
1: And the power of that whole group, Peter, uh, just context. We have the second biggest economy, China in the world, we've got India, the yeah. sixth the biggest economy that has just replaced France with sure. in G, in the G7. Yeah. So we really have the, uh, the, the largest economies in yeah. the world uh, in here, in, in, in that club, sure. we, it is only I mean Do for you think,
0: think I- Stimbiso, that the club, in, even though it's big and even though it's powerful, it still has to sort of prove itself in some way Though I mean, what is it f- what's it there for? Is it simply to facilitate investment between its own members or, or uh, does, it, does it develop over time real political clout in, in the world?
4: I think it, it develops over time but the problem for us from from the South African perspective I think over the past decade has been that we didn't know what we wanted to achieve by being members of BRICS. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of complaints mm-hmm. about okay South Africa may be spending money but not coming up with any with any proposals. At some stage there was complete confusion where some in government were speaking as if it's going to be a replacement for IMF and all these other institutions yeah. for instance to create a BRICS yeah. bank. So I think we need to come back from that position where South Africa tended to see it as some kind of an anti-imperialist yeah. formation which it is not yeah. instead of just looking at well, China this just is recently this joined is a the trade United, organization so yeah. that we're supposed to, yeah. to, to to be working with yeah. so i think with with the, with the current president it's possible that he will look at it as a as a, as a vehicle to deal with economic issues rather than as some political institution yeah. that it is not.
0: Uh, and how, how how much good does it do Cyril Ramaphosa to be able to come back and say, I've got 10 billion from the Saudis, 10 billion from the Emirates, and 14.7 billion from China? I mean, it's not real yet. It's just a promise.
4: Yes. I, I think it's like in those early Mandela years where he was going across the world and you are getting all these pledges from, from everyone. It gives people s- some level of confidence, yeah. but even within the ANC, remember that some of the people who were opposed to him were saying when he comes in, he'll pull South Africa out of bricks and make us more yeah. friendly to the West instead yeah. of that developing world. Yeah. So I think this just puts an end to the question It that d- puts an end to that. Fortunately, that Donald Trump it, has made yeah. that
0: inevitable as well. Yeah. Uh, Sukunati, um, uh, one of the problems with Chinese investment, particularly from the state as opposed to the Chinese private sector, is that it often involves building infrastructure. Right. So there, there are two stories going around the world at the moment. One is in Sri Lanka where the Chinese built a huge port and, and, and city, um, rather like Nguha, um, uh, uh, and the Ch- and the Sri Lankans were unable to pay it for it, so they've taken it back and they literally now own rather like Russia had to sell Alaska to the US, they own a bit of Sri Lanka. They've also, they are also lending, the Chinese lending lots of money, 62 billion dollar investments into Pakistan as part of their Belt and Road Initiative. Um, as the Pakistani national debt increases, their ability to service the investments the Chinese have made also begins to suffer. So there's a, there's a new, uh, a super transit uh, uh, in lahore a rail system that they're unable to pay for and the chinese want their money back how do we ensure that we don't get into that kind of trouble with these guys
1: we well, can only engineer the the transactions in a manner that first generates the ability to pay back the money. So if money goes into ESCOM, it must not be stolen so that ESCOM isn't then yeah. unable to pay back. Yeah. If money goes into our railways, which fortunately, we don't need the Chinese assistance mm. there, mm. Uh, it must be money. It's like you said, it's not a gift. It's yeah. an investment. Mm. We, we must put money to put into hard assets, which will then generate a return. That's the only way to avoid being colonized again by the Chinese this time.
0: Because Patrick, what ten, has what tended to happen with that Chinese investment in Africa uh, uh, until now, is they've been very happy to build big airports and sort of glitter mm-hmm. projects. You get a nice airport, you get a, a new presidential palace uh, uh, in some countries, um, but there's no return on any of those things. So this, it's, not, it's, not a, you know, it's not a health program, it's not an education mm-hmm. program where you actually get, so you get some workers mm-hmm. involved, Chinese workers build the palace, they build the airport, and then they leave again.
3: How does that that
0: change here? How how do we make them do it our way and still get their money? Well, I think the one thing is in realizing
2: um, that, I mean, I think South Africa is in a a strong position. Um, You know, obviously we have a lot of what the world wants. Um, Africa in particular has what uh, China wants, which is land for for agriculture. Um, and I think the danger was that 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 the the sort of ideological uh, motives would somehow trump the the financial and the economic, and we'd be so keen to sort of be in this block, as Tim Biso mentioned, as a kind of anti-imperialist block that we might we might neglect looking after our own interests. And I think the one feature, if you look at the Chinese uh, investments, th- you know, they don't really have this sort of established, mature companies that. Mm that can do the sort of uh, investments that one might like from the west where you get the sort of technology transfer and etc so you know, the cynical view is that a lot of the chinese investment is geared around uh, the extraction machinery yeah. basically yeah. so this is about extracting it's about extracting minerals and it about uh, in their mind hopefully one day about sort of extracting a lot of food and sort of agricultural produce so i guess we've just got to to the extent that we can, is is, is, is absolutely stand our ground. Yeah. You know, read the read 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 the small print, and realise that um, you know there's there is no free 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 yeah. free lunch. Um, Ray, can
0: we do that? Can we stand up to c- people like China? I mean, we need the money.
3: Well, we, we can if we pay back our loans yeah. and pay back our debts. If we don't, you know, then they're going to want equity,
0: yeah. and
3: then a certain portion of. Our utilities will be owned by the Chinese and they're very, very good and very effective at moving in with a uh, state-related company or leadership or management and sorting that thing out. Yeah, You know, I don't think China wants to be involved in coal-fired power stations in South Africa. I have a feeling this is, you know, a particular need that South Africa has right now. And China recognizes that by giving this relatively small loan, it can actually make a lot of mileage with South Africa and relieve pressure um, in an institution which is at the core of the economic problem. Good.
0: Well, we'll be back with you to continue this conversation after this break. Welcome back. Uh, Stembiso. so um, the ANC last weekend held uh, uh, elective conferences in two provinces, Gauteng and uh, uh, KwaZulu-Natal, which seemed on the face of it to go Soar Ramaphosa's way. Um, I say on the face of it because I know that there were lots of other questions behind, but how do you, what what was your take on how well he did out of that weekend?
4: I think he wasn't that much of a factor. It makes it makes life easy for him for the next couple of years. Yeah. But it it means nothing for him post the ANC conference in twenty twenty two. Because what what has happened is that there's been a realignment not of Zuma versus it serial forces yes. but it is uh, well they try to make it a generational thing. Yeah. But it's a group of younger ANC leaders who feel that it's time they push
0: out but the older in- generation. But isn't it interesting? I mean, uh, r- 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 anybody come in mm. on this because they are younger. Yeah. Um, I d- I don't know who owes what to 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 whom, um, uh, but there is a, there is suddenly a generational change um, at that provincial level, and does it does it. You say it means nothing post the 2022 for, provincial For, for sorry, they, it's not guaranteed. Does he get a second term
4: out of these guys? It's not guaranteed from, from, from these guys, because they may be pushing for their own candidates. This campaign actually had started, I think, but some two or three years ago. Yeah. It failed. And they started again. They tried at uh, at Nasrec, yeah. and it failed. They didn't get any nominations. But what looks like is happening is that they're trying to win the provinces because they saw what happened at Narsrek is that if you control provincial structures of the ANC yeah. you have a chance of
0: making but it But when you process. say they are they yeah. one thing or is it a dis- it's n- different a disparate rubins, number but
4: of what peop- puts the, what, what brings them together is that they were once leaders of the ANC with league Okay so what 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 you may find in in 2022 is that either Fihile Mbalula or Malusi Kikaba will then have a chance of being a member of the top six if they're not running for yeah. the Deputy president yeah, or, yeah. The or, or the president? Yeah. But you, 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 we it's not clear now which names are being supported. Right.
0: Because apparently around about 20 of the new KZN PEC yeah. of twi- 32 people are ex-Youth League. Yes. Um, and that, that matters. Yes. and. People will look at them
4: and say, most of these people supported Zuma. Yes, they supported Zuma in in 2009 and they supported Zuma when they went to its conference in 2012. But then they were divided last year and they've come together again. So their agenda seems to be beyond okay. Syria or Zuma. Yeah. Their agenda is about this is our time to now take over the leadership.
0: And are they more radical or, or, or less radical? Where are they on the political spectrum? That's
4: where it's more frustrating especially in case at because oh. their politics is not clear at yeah. all. Okay. At least here in Gauteng you can when you look at the guy who's now the new ANC secretary, you would say, he's more on the left of the current ANC leadership. Yeah. But when you look at the person who was the face of their campaign, is very much conservative, Lebo Mahay. And so he's very much conservative on the, on the issues of the yeah. economy. So it's, it, it's a mix. I think what just unites them is yeah. that they are former youth leaguers, they think they are the only ones who can stop the ANC yeah. from coming out of power and handing over to EFF. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Ray, right. There must. If you were the EFF, you'd be worried about what just happened at the weekend. And if Stambiso's is right, and this is a new, you know, resurgence or not a resurgence, but a surgence of of former Youth League uh, people in the ANC doing well in elections, um, thinking clearly and planning and strategizing, um, suddenly the party. You can see the party's four or five years down down the road where it was difficult uh, six months ago.
3: Yeah, I think it's, I mean, the ANC needs this injection of yeah. some new leadership. And the fact that Ponyaza Lesufi Sufi is now the deputy chair in Gauteng, there's yeah. a new face that, you know, yeah. is suddenly on the yeah. national stage. Um, but I think that, you know, the, the electoral politics remains skewed against the youth. Mm. So the rate of registration of young voters in the 25 and under category is very, very low. And m- if the ANC gets enough momentum to actually get young people to go and register, something which the EFF has failed to do, um, they might find a new constituency. Uh, that constituency, however, you know, is highly contested. I don't think mm. the EFF is going to give it up very easily. Yeah. And they've kind of got a head start um, yeah. with, with young voters. So it could be very, very interesting to see if the if these young people actually enter formal politics and register. Yeah. Where they would vote.
0: Well, that's what has to happen, doesn't it, Patrick? I mean, both the EFF and this and the, and the ANC will now be chasing the between now and whenever the election is. How many more registration days are there? One or two, I think, right? One in January. Well, it's. You um, know,
3: particularly few.
0: Um, and, and so you need, and you, you know, I don't know how many votable or voting age people are unregistered, but it's in the millions. I mean, that's that's got to be a has got to be a huge factor in our politics, Patrick.
2: Absolutely, and then, you know, looking at a sort of a younger ANC in the years to come, I mean, obviously that's going to take, I would think, a lot of steam uh, from the uh, from from the EFF train. But I, the one thing I think is uh, going to emerge is and the question that is, is, what sort of politics? And, you know, Sebisa saying mm. that it's kind of unclear. But I would think that, um, you know, we're quite possibly heading towards a, a, a younger and a more conservative ANC, mm. and which might seem a, a, a contradiction and that one, one would think, the, you know, the, the young people are necessarily more radical. But I get the feeling with the, and especially if you look at the school system, um, I mean, I know around my area, I see the young guys in the schools, and and they're very, um, you know, they're, they're very upright and they're mm. very proper, and they and and they maybe look
0: maybe pragmatic rather than conservative. Uh, Let's get, uh, find uh, things that work.
2: Possibly, uh, you know, and, and and they they look like people who are kind of serious about kind of what they want to achieve in life, and and you know, sort of get a decent life with all the sort of middle class yeah. trappings and whatever. So I wouldn't be surprised actually if we find. Yeah. ANC that, as you say, is, is pragmatic, is ideologically yeah. a, a more conservative yeah. uh, than what the EFF is um, uh,
0: yeah. pretending to it's, be. It would be pointless running the same sort of uh, ideological. Uh, uh, one
4: quick thing there is that what I noticed over the weekend, which I thought was quite interesting, is that in all the previous ANC conferences, you will have a percentage of leaders who came from trade unions. There's no one anymore. There's nothing. Other than Mike Mabuya yeah. who was in the unions like 30 years ago. Yeah. In in, in KZT. Yeah. there's no one anymore. In fact, there so was a big there was a big, meeting over, was a big yeah. meeting over the weekend. There was a big
0: meeting over the weekend of sort of left wing organizations, including some of the unions, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yes, I the meeting, something. yes, I saw, I saw yeah. that meeting, yeah. convened by Vavis. But um, in the
4: ANC itself, it looks like yeah. they have yeah. been completely yeah. disseminated. Yeah.
0: So before we run out of time, we must talk about ESCOM-690. So it's produced these results. It's got, what, 3 billion net loss last year. Uh, 19 billion rand um, uh, misspent since 2012 why 2012 and not 2011 or whatever but pick a number pick a date um, uh, and suddenly 33 billion rand uh, from the Chinese one of the Chinese banks I presume the 33 billion rand is will go straight into debt servicing
1: yes ESCOM uh, is paying 41 and a half billion rand in interest uh, yeah. yeah. Now that's that's three years worth of uh, right, uh, so money to build yeah. Kusile yeah. power station. The, the 2.3 billion rand loss is not a big deal. Uh, the, the real deal is what are we doing? What is ESCOM doing to restructure itself so that it does not have to go borrow money every year in order to pay debt?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, borrowing from Paul to pay Sekonati and, and September yeah. to pay John. Uh, th- th- that's that's, that's the, the fundamental thing and the management of ESCOM and the board have said they will address that question starting in September. Of course, the big elephant in the room uh, is that uh, the bloated structure, when I talk about the bloated structure, I'm talking about indeed this bloated yeah. balance sheet where they heavily relied on debt, but on the other hand, and the more painful one, job losses, they, they they have said on the record they've got 33 percent more people than yeah. they need. That talks but about 12,000 I mean, people.
0: ESCOM's always run on debt. I mean, there's been a, the debt management has been the great skill at ESCOM. It used to raise money in the bond market and run, now raises money directly from from institutions like banks because it's easier to do it that way. But Peter,
1: but that on its own has not never been a problem, yeah. and uh, until the debt went beyond yeah. a certain threshold, yeah. where ESCOM is able yeah. to 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 then uh, meet. Yeah its own obligations yeah. without external help without encountering and uh, dropping in sure. uh, more of our money
0: I, I think it was Paul Mashatila the other day who I heard um, describing a three-way split for a new ESCOM into transmission distribution what was the transmission generation and distribution. And distribution. I don't quite know the difference between distribution. proposal that was there back in, in the early 1990
1: 2000s. Nine, 1998. Reds. Oh, the Reds. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So somebody's hold that document yeah. out
0: of a drawer, right? It, it was but
1: there many years ago.
0: But can the ANC have? Can the ANC hold a, um, a solid, conversation on? splitting up ESCOM and just getting on ahead and doing it? Or do the union suddenly come into the picture
3: and stop it? I think that this is the core of the problem, is that Ramaphosa's constituency remains within those trade unions. They're the people who brought him to power, who played a big role, the first backers. And he cannot afford to alienate them because he doesn't have enough other options within the ANC. And I I personally think ESCOM is going to go to the consumer and push up prices to try and deal with this problem, rather than deal with its bloated staff and its overpaid staff. And and the biggest thing
1: here now, exactly on that point, uh, Ray, these are the people who talk about monopoly, white monopoly, but their definition of monopoly is not the real definition of monopoly. Here's one chance for all those people who complain about white monopoly capital and everything, to dismantle this one big monopoly mm. that's this holding South people's Africa back. No. Yeah. Yes, the people's, <laughs> <laughs> the people's monopoly. <laughs> Let's deal with the people's monopoly. Dismantle <laughs> the thing into three pieces and give it to the people.
0: Quickly, people are whispering in my ear. Um, uh, we're running out of time. The PRC now, the finance minister is meeting the PRC board, I think, tomorrow, yeah? And he's going to sort it out. And, and after he's said his word, then all of this fighting around Dan Machila, the chief investment officer, CEO at the same time, does that all go away? No,
1: uh, it depends of course what he does. The most important thing, the chairman, Mr. Kungubele, who is Ntlantlanana's deputy, is diametrically opposed to Ntlantlanana and to the board, so you've got the minister on the one hand together standing with the board and with Daniel Machila, you've got the deputy minister standing with three other directors against uh, the whole board, Tlantanene's solution should be to, to resolve that problem. Yeah. Uh, are, are we guys together or are we not? Some of you have to leave. Claudia Morning has already, uh, Manning has already left, resigned uh, last week. Tlantanene then will have to make a decision. Does Monty Kungubele remain a board director at the PIC and does he remain chairman of the PIC. Because the Deputy
0: Finance Minister is always both of those things. Not by law. Not by law. Not by law. By Anyone
1: can be chairman, but yeah. traditionally they have always put a politician there. But as what chairman. would be the implications of him saying is removing? There's no implications. The, m- the Finance Minister appoints and fires mm. the directors of the board. So he can even fire the deputy? He minister. can fire well, the deputy and put a.
0: Will he have the courage to do that? We'll find out mm. in next week's exciting episode of editing aloud. Thanks for joining us.